that saw the vampire go to sleep hungry for the second week in a row and saw two contenders emerge undefeated at 2-0. Yeah. I've, got, I've got one of them with me with Quinn Carson, and this is another episode of the Vampire Journals podcast. <laughs> Quinn, tell me, what does it feel like for the third season in a row to start at 2-0? That's great. I was uh, handed that stat before we started this podcast. And that's super surprising that um, I set a good early two week pace and uh, just, you know, a lot of times it ends up being uh, how you do later in the season that really affects you. And so it's great to start two and Oh, I believe I've never started three and Oh, so hopefully this week I'll beat the vampire and do something I've never done, which is go three and Oh. That's correct. I did a little bit of statistical digging before the podcast. Uh, as we'll get to later, I'm not the only one doing statistical research this season. But uh, I did some research which showed that uh, in addition to Quinn going 2-0 and the previous two seasons, Robbie is a repeat offender. This is his third season at 0-2. Uh, but not to worry for young Moose. 0-2 last year led to a appearance in the season finals. Uh, so I'm sure he's not too worried there. Chase also starting out one and one for the third consecutive season. I'm doing the same. Kurt, who always talks about Mr. 500, has now improved his record through two weeks in each of the three seasons. He started out 0-2 the first season, one and one last year, and now he's joining Quinn at 2-0 and after week two. Uh, speaking of week two, Quinn, let's get to the results and we'll start off with your matchup against Chase, which proved to be uh, not quite as close as we might have anticipated going into the week. We thought it was going to be a, a high scoring affair. Tell us what ended up happening there. You know, it's something that, well, shit, man. I, I tell you what, like, I did not see this coming. The big news story is that. Uh, Chase's starting lineup minus Kyler Murray collectively scored a total of one touchdown between all of his great players, Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, Devontae Adams, Adam Thielen, Zach Ertz, Allen Robinson II. All those guys, I believe, did not score a touchdown except for Dalvin Cook, who scored one late, um, late in the game uh, in their loss to Indianapolis, kind of as a garbage time thing. So when that happened, it just opened up the chance for me to kind of score in a normal way and win and then on top of that i got an amazing performance on monday night from alvin Kamara, and then dak prescott scored 39.8 points in like his crazy comeback on sunday so that those two things the fact that chase's team i got lucky they didn't show up and then me basically winning the game with a kicker a defense a flex two wide receivers and a quarterback before 
um, the the Sunday was even up was was the story of the matchup. So surprise win. Yeah, you mentioned the lack of touchdown production from Chase's roster. Looking at his starting lineup, everybody except for the aforementioned Kyler Murray also underperformed versus ESPN projections. Not a single player other than Kyler Murray, Dalvin Cook, and stud kicker Justin Tucker managed to break 10 points. His defense, the Buffalo Bills, normally a stingy unit, came in at a negative one after a close matchup against the Dolphins. Uh, staying with one of your theories from last week, Chase failed to put people in a starting lineup that broke the 20-point threshold, and I think that really killed him in this matchup. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Like, It's not like the quarterback choice was the wrong thing going between Russell Wilson or Kyler Murray. They had practically the identical scores, but it's – you know, leaving DJ Moore, Chris Carson on the bench would have given him a chance to uh, beat me. And then looking at my side, I did uh, almost the same where uh, Miles Sanders scored 20 points, Mari Cooper was 16. They could have gone in and uh, been in the starting lineup in like a flex position or something and, and done better than some of my other guys. But I will segue this to claim that same theory, and I'm pretty sure Kurt, came into his weekend his weekend with the same idea of trying to play his highest scores and I think that worked out most definitely in the closest matchup of the weekend Guillermo de la Cruz was able to advance to 2 and 0 outscoring Dr. Rosenpenis at a score of 167.38 to 166.36 what a game absolutely and like you said Kurt Listen to the last podcast and really took your advice to heart. He told me that going into the weekend, he was really determined to try and field a roster full of players that were going to score 20 points. He said at the very least, he wanted to put players in there that were going to score a lot of points. And that was his strategy in this matchup. Really paid off for him there. He had one, two, three, four, five players in his starting lineup that scored at least 20 points. He had another one on his bench. He didn't even need Nick Chubb at 26.3. Uh, he made the decision to pull him out after week one and replace him with T.Y. Hilton, who only got him 5.8 in the flex spot. Uh, but he didn't need <laughs> didn't need those points from T.Y. as he, he was able to outscore Robbie by one. Uh, tell me a little bit about Robbie's performance this weekend, Quinn. Robbie did great. Um, you know, story of his season so far is he's coming in as the second highest score each week but the highest score each week has been the guy he's played so he keeps losing and that's you know you can't put that against him if he can keep doing this he'll start winning games and and continue to win games and hopefully win games against the vampire and not lose his team um I think the biggest issue that I see with this matchup was questions of why did you play this person or not this person now? Um, Nick Chubb, for instance, on Kurt's side, that was the thing we talked about last week, which was he had two high-priced auction running backs and Christian McCaffrey and Ezekiel Elliott, who both scored over 20 points this week and did great. Christian hurt his ankle, but you know they still performed really well for him. And he had that third Nick Chubb, who was also an expensive auction get and he was benched which is kind of crazy you might think to bench a high-priced auction get that you had so early in the season and it kind of goes back to bite him in this case we look at Robbie's side and I think that uh 
position change that he had was actually Darren Waller and Travis Kelsey. Uh, that matchup could have won him the game. Running Patrick Mahomes over Lamar Jackson was the other big option he had. And then playing people like Tyler Lockett versus, say, uh, a Juju Smith-Schuster or a Jonathan Taylor would have helped him in, like, the tiny, minuscule moments. But, you know, really it was a super close matchup. And just, like, I think the people they decided to play who also scored over 20 points on their bench was, like, the parts where they, they missed opportunities to score. Sure. Well, I, I don't think that you can say that failing to play Nick Chubb uh, bit Kurt too much because, one, he came away with the victory. And, two, uh, he is 2-0 and sitting in a tie for first place. So shout out to Guillermo de la Cruz. Uh, he is 2-0 and for the first time uh, in his league history. And despite a couple of injuries, still has a really strong lineup. Looks like Ezekiel Elliott's going to get a million touches every week. Uh, Tyreek Hill is ramping up production week by week. Uh, and yeah, I think that even despite the players that he has injured, uh, he's got a, a really strong lineup, so shout out to him. But like you said, Robbie would be 2-0 and if he had played anybody other than the people he'd played in weeks one and two. Um, strong tight end combination there. Waller looked incredible on Monday night. Um, so, yeah, Robbie 0-2, third time in a row, but it didn't impede him last year. If so. this was a if this was a regular fantasy league, I think he would feel super fine and okay with that. But the fact that this is a league where when he goes up against a vampire and if he loses in those situations and loses players that are taking away from these high-scoring affairs that he's putting up, he's really going to start getting behind and trying to make the playoffs. So, Oh, one other thing on this matchup. Uh, Kurt and I were discussing uh, the fantasy weekend this morning and – I was talking about Aaron Jones putting up 45, and I said, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure that just about anybody who had Aaron Jones probably won this weekend. And then I was quickly reminded that not everyone did. Uh, so tough luck from Robbie there. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's transition from tough luck to a little bit of tremendous luck in our yeah. last matchup of the week, the vampire matchup, the marquee matchup of the week. Jan Pyre stands brother. 132.38 to Jay Cutler, 107.04. Vampire at 0-2. Tremendous news for everybody in the league. Huge news. Almost a, We almost sent out an alert, you know. Um, and I think the story of this matchup is the biggest thing that's entertaining about it is the fact that we watched your bench play early games and put up gigantic scores from the bench to start the day out. Yeah, definitely. Joe Burrow had 24 and a half on Thursday night uh, to set the tone. And then, yeah, uh, definitely Kareem Hunt, 24 points on the bench. Odell Beckham, who I pulled out of the starting lineup, 17 on that Thursday night. Um, So, yeah, early numbers. And then Tyler Higbee, big day with three touchdowns, 28 points also on the bench. Um, My bench put up a score of 120 points which uh, fortunately also would have beat Steven's total for the weekend. Um, so where's so, your head at there? Where like you're seeing a bunch of scorers come in on your bench when you kind of wish this week they would have been in your lineup to help secure it even more. Like where's your mind at? Sure. So I was actually working Sunday um, pretty much during all of the games. So I didn't have much of uh, 
much free time to check the lineups themselves, but I was getting a lot of those texts from you guys, and I was able to see them. And the big news from the week uh, was just Saquon Barkley going down. And uh, in addition to Michael Thomas, who was already hurt, uh, had me really nervous. But uh, strangely, the one game that I was able to keep tabs on was the Buffalo Bills game, and that one really set the tone for me early in my starting lineup. Uh, Dante Culpepper 2.0, a.k.a. White Culpepper, a.k.a. Josh Allen with a huge day, 34 and a half fantasy points, Mm -hmm. connecting with Stefan Diggs, who got me 29 in the wide receiver position. Um, I feel like you're one of the few players in our league this year that's actually coupling uh, a starting quarterback and a starting wide receiver in their lineup. Is that true? I'm, like, trying to look really quick. I don't think anybody else is truly coupling – yeah, no, I don't think so. Nope, because Kurt has Tyree Kill, which breaks up that one. Nobody picked up Matt Ryan. Nobody picked up Drew Brees. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. But let's talk about Steven's roster, which easily could have put up more points. They were under-projected in a couple of key areas that really kind of hurt him, most notably of which Will Fuller, who had a breakout week one was projected for 13.2 in the matchup against Baltimore, came away with zero points on the weekend. And you uh, won week. by basically 24 and change. 24 right. Points and change. So. Right. And Will Fuller, who in week one got 19.2 points, uh, really put him in a hole there. Uh, he was able to get a good performance out of Raheem Mostert. Unfortunately, he won't be able to ride that for a couple of weeks after he went out with a knee injury. Otherwise, he had underperformances versus projections at nearly every other spot. Ronald Jones, Dallas Goddard, Marquise Brown in the flex. Uh, DK Metcalf with a big performance Sunday night still wasn't enough to propel him. Yeah, I think uh, also when you start looking down at his bench, when he could have chosen maybe definitely people that are on the back burner now, like Julian Edelman. You know, someone like the idea of writing Julian Edelman was probably not your best bet. But had you done something like that, you know, those 25 points instead of Will Fuller right there would have been the the difference maker and stuff. So, uh, you know, it's almost like um, it's kind of like one of those UFC fights where like you definitely won this battle by 25 points. But there are points where he had some big shots that he took at you that you just you missed, you know, didn't hit. So luckily he didn't get in there and get a big bite out of you. Definitely. Uh, that's, uh, this is one where I'm ready to get to the next week's matchup. It does, it does yeah. feel weird probably too, because Saquon drops, you know, up, out for the season. So it's, it's almost like you, you did lose someone this week, you know? So it's, but you know, I don't know. It's hard to take. You get the win on the, for the playoffs, but you don't, you don't keep that player for next week, you know? Yeah, the only consolation I have is that I went a little running back heavy in the draft. The downside of that is one of those running backs, Todd Gurley, did not look that impressive in a Saturday or Sunday shootout with the Dallas Cowboys. It seems like they're targeting Kareem Hunt, though, for the Cleveland Browns. You have him on your bench. Definitely. And I had James Conner, who was in my flex, uh, have a really strong Sunday after a substandard week one. So I've got options there. None of them seem to be as explosive as the Saquon we were used to. The only satisfaction we can have is knowing that Steven didn't get any stronger in the process. Uh, mm. So we live to fight another day. I am at 500 after two weeks. Um, and so 
Yeah. Uh, uh, before we move on from week two, let's just take a quick look at the injury situation that hit the league, Quinn. Uh, I was watching the Monday night game last night, and they said in pregame that seven players went down with torn ACLs this Sunday. Uh, they weren't all torn knees, but tell me a little bit about the injury situation throughout the league. Well, I think it's frankly historic. When we watched it just in real time, you're just seeing all these different games get paused because of these injuries. And it's not just for fantasy players, but it's like linemen went down, defensive players, cornerbacks. A lot of people were injured. And uh, notably, we've collected a list of how it affected our Vampire League. To start off first, um, I think the biggest headline um, truly is this is the injuries that happened to Steven's current roster. And that was Raheem Mostert and his MCL uh, sprain, I believe it is. Um, with that issue, you know, that was probably one of his strongest players that he was using to try and compete against our teams. And so the fact that he was injured is a big blow to him. Then that leads me next probably to my team, which has collected the most injuries currently with Julio Jones on a hammy, George Kittle's MCL, who did not play this week. Um, Cortland Sutton is now on the IR list. And then um, who's that? Antonio Brown. He's got a knee problem still. Not Antonio yeah, yeah. Brown, AJ Brown. <laughs> Good to know you're still doing that. Good to know. Yeah, uh, yeah so Quinn, you've really been hurt at wide receiver. Uh, Julio Jones, questionable with the hamstring. Um, Cortland Sutton out. The same. Right. Uh, that leaves you with Amari Cooper and Robert Woods still on your bench. Uh, so do you still feel comfortable at the wide receiver position? Yeah, Robert Woods scored a touchdown this week. Um, and then Amari Cooper definitely uh, did a lot of good work for the Cowboys. So, you know, I'll run with them and hope for the best. Um, I don't have a look yet on what I'm doing for my matchup against Steven coming up this week. Um, but yeah, I, I think it'll be okay. Uh, I like the people I'm playing. So, okay. And you know, I did go wide receiver heavy in my draft, coincidentally enough. So, definitely, I would say so. Uh, let's talk about the person who went running back heavy. We've talked about the big spender already, Curtis Jackson. Uh, he's lost C Christian McCaffrey for probably about four to six weeks with a high ankle sprain. Uh, he's now got Ezekiel Elliott and Nick Chubb locked into those RB1 and 2 spots with Cooper Cup filling out his flex. Uh, with Le'Veon Bell already on the injured reserve, tell me what you see with Kurt's roster after this past weekend's injuries. Well, I think uh, he's taken a big hit in a sense with Christian McCaffrey on when Christian McCaffrey comes back. Uh, because we look ahead to, I believe it's week six, that Kurt plays the vampire next. And so I think that's the question we have is, will he be at full power to take on the next big test for him in week six? And uh, um, hopefully that'll happen. I mean, when we look at the rest of his roster, they've been doing great. I mean, Calvin Ridley has really been showing up um, the idea of Cooper Cup being in his flex, I mean, in week six, it could be someone uh, potentially different like T.Y. Hilton or, or something. But, um, you know, I think 
by the time he faces the vampire next, he'll have a better idea about how good his bench is really going to be this season. And so if he gets too many more injuries in his starting lineup, then he might have to, you know, take another second look. But for now, I think he's going to be cool to ride. I do know that this week, as it says, he's got a lot of teams, uh, opposing teams that he's his fantasy players are facing who are within the top 10. So it might be a tough week scoring-wise. But, I mean, these are all great players, so. Luckily, that's where we're all still at in this part of the season. So, yeah, especially Robbie, who only has one player with an injury designation on his roster, Kenny Galladay, questionable with a hamstring injury. And that was pre uh, right? right, with the potential to come back here in week three. So, so now, all of a sudden, Robbie, 0 and 2, the most healthy team with the most healthy starters and also with this, you know, probably one of the highest scoring, if not the highest scoring team in the league so far. Yeah. Let's take a quick look through two weeks. The highest score in the league is long bone shorty at 325 points. Oh yeah. Second highest score, Dr. Rosen penis, Robert Courtway at 301 points. Third highest, Mr. Solo Dolo Chase at 286 points. And then Kurt at 281 points. Uh, Playing a little money ball. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Um, I'm at 240 points. And then Steven at 199.6 points. Um, So Vampire's laying dormant, but I'm sure he's more than ready to strike any week now. Um, So... Quinn, coming up next, we're going to take a look at your QPC projections, how they fared out last week, and what they have in store for week three. But tell us what we got coming up next. All right, this week I wanted to feature Daniel with an amazing monologue from a movie that was originally titled The League. And its scenes were filmed in the historic Orange Bowl Stadium in Miami, Florida. And the word fuck is spoken 117 times in this movie. But today you're only going to hear it once from my guy. And here is Any Given Sunday. I don't know what to say, really. Three minutes till the biggest battle of our professional lives all comes down to today. Now either we heal as a team or we're gonna crumble. Inch by inch, play by play, till we're finished. We're in hell right now, gentlemen, believe me. And we can stay here get the shit kicked out of us or we can fight our way back into the light. We can climb out of hell. One inch at a time. Now, I can't do it for you. I'm too old. I look around, I see these young faces and I think, I mean, I made every wrong choice a middle-aged man can make. I, uh, I pissed away all my money, believe it or not. I chased off 
anyone who's ever loved me. And lately, I can't even stand the face I see in the mirror. You know, when you get old in life, things get taken from you. I mean, that's, that's, that's part of life. But you only learn that when you start losing stuff. You find out life's this game of inches. So is football. Because in either game, life or football, the margin for error is so small. I mean, one half step too late or too early, you don't quite make it. One half second too slow, too fast, you don't quite catch it. The inches we need are everywhere around us. They're in every break of the game, every minute, every second. On this team, we fight for that edge. On this team, we tear ourselves and everyone who will surround us to pieces for that edge. We claw with our fingernails for that itch. Because we know when we add up all those inches, that's gonna make the fucking difference between winning and losing. Between living and dying. I'll tell you this, in any fight, it's a guy who's willing to die who's gonna win that itch. And I know if I'm gonna have any life anymore, it's because I'm still willing to fight and die for that itch. Because that's what living is. The six inches in front of your face. Now I can't make you do it. You gotta look to the guy next to you. Look into his eyes. Now I think you're gonna see a guy who will go that inch with you. You're gonna see a guy who will sacrifice, sacrifice himself for this, for this team because he knows, because he knows when it comes when it down comes to it, you're gonna, gonna do the same for him. him. That's, That's a team, team gentlemen. And either we here now, as a team, or we will die as individuals. That's football, guys. That's all it is. Now, what are you gonna do? speech that movie uh, won an Alma award in 2000 for outstanding actress in a feature film Cameron Diaz also won a blockbuster entertainment award for Cameron Diaz favorite actress in a drama and winner of uh, film music Richard Horowitz R.I.P. we'll be back after this Johnsonville Brats, sponsored by always. Johnsonville Brats, I love it. Yeah. Like you guys.
Quinn, after one week in the season, you were three and zero on your statistical analysis. Following the week two results, you went where you went one and two. You now stand at four and two on the season. Tell me what went wrong in your projections for week two. You know, if you remember, one of my projections was I thought I was not going to win my game, and so in a happy little mistake. I bet against myself. Yeah, Chase put up a real dud, huh? Yeah. And that was just one of those games where I think you you pay the pay-per-view and you hope for a really good one, and then all of a sudden half the half the teams don't show up to play. But um, on the other side of it, it was rivalry week. And so I was happy that the rivalry between Daniel and Steven is a little bit more even now with your win. And my last thing I got wrong, my other thing I got wrong, uh, was Kurt versus Robbie. And I had Robbie winning. And I thought that was just, you know, a game of inches there. And uh, so I was almost right. I now am four and six on the season. And what? Uh, no, you're four out of six, right? Didn't I get, oh. I went three oh. and oh the first week. Yes. One and two the second week. So yeah, I'm four for six so far. Yeah, so tell me what you've got picked out for week three and if you still stand by your initial projections. You know, I do. I stand by my projections. I think they're just coming out in a different way. Um, this week, Longbow and Shorty faces Jay Cutler, and I've got myself winning. Um, and so I'm hoping that that is my big one I get right this week uh, for the whole league's sake. Then we've got Kurt versus Chase, and I have Chase winning this matchup. Um, obviously, if we just go back to our last talk about the, the, the total points scored, if that goes around the same and Chase gets back up to his scoring ways like he was in week one, then he can uh, defeat Kurt. But if Kurt puts up another 167 points, it's going to be tough sledding for Chase. Um, and then in the final third game uh, on the West Coast, we've got Jampire Stampire's brother, uh, versus Danny DeVito's bare ass, who is now known as Dr. Rosen Penis. And I've got uh, Daniel winning that. So now, Daniel, I've got you uh, rolling now for two weeks in a row, two wins. Yeah, and a quick note on Robbie's name change. There was also an initial name change in between Danny DeVito's bare ass and the current Dr. Rosen Penis. Really? Uh, yes, if we take a look at recent activity for the league, we will see that... Saturday, September 19th at 3.06 p.m., Danny DeVito's bare ass was renamed to The Train from Unstoppable. And then at 3.15 p.m., a second name change to Dr. Rosen Penis. What was going through Robbie's head, we'll never know until we're able to get him on the pod, which will be soon. Mm -hmm. um, but a quick look at... Uh, the week three matchups from ESPN fantasy cast, starting with the marquee matchup of the week, Jay Cutler versus Longbone Shorty. You have the largest win probability of the three matchups. ESPN gives you a 59% chance of coming out on top. Uh, now you do have a couple of questionable players currently in your lineup, Julio Jones, George Kittle. Uh, you won last week without a starting tight end. Is there any prudency on your part to acquire a tight end for this week's matchup? 
So do you think Kittle's going to play? That's what I'm asking you. <sighs> what do you think? I mean, I think he's going to play this week. Um, I think I'm going to have some good matchups. Um, Dak is um, potentially going to start, but I think I might actually start Aaron Rodgers maybe going into it. And then that just makes me think that I've got a, got a strong lineup coming into the week. You know, got Miles Sanders playing Cincinnati. Um, I have some things that could happen. And so if I move um, and don't make a move and George plays, then I don't think I'm going to need him to score like a large amount of points. So I'm hoping to not have to make a move. Um, but I'm really looking at it, you know, right now. If I had to make a trade, it would probably be what, by Thursday night? What do you think that's about the deadline I've got to get the vote in? Depends on what tight end you're looking at. Uh, I'm not going to tell you where to shop. For sure. <laughs> I mean, like, man, you know, it's like you put up a score that could beat the vampire each week. And last week I didn't play him. And it's like, man, maybe, but maybe not. I don't know. I have to do some soul searching. Uh, let's see. Yeah. I, I just, yeah, I wanted to double check this. You should know your projected total of 133.8 includes scores for both Julio Jones and George Kittle at 16 and 15 and a half respectively. So if you take those points out of the equation, that's 31 points. You could be looking down from your current roster. Just an FYI. Right. Right, 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 right. Well, let me update that real quick. We've got real-time QPC processing power here. Yeah. Brought to you by Dr. Pepper. 23 flavors. Let's, uh, let's move Julio out of, out of the starting lineup. And let's move George Kittle out of the starting lineup so that he appears as if he doesn't play. I'll give you that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. And then uh, I'm going to move the Patriots defense into the starting lineup as the Ravens play Kansas City this weekend. So I'm going to swap defenses and go with Patriots against Las Vegas. I'm going to move Miles Sanders into my flex position for now with Joe Mixon on the bench and then I'm going to put I'm going to put Amari Cooper in at my starting wide receiver and I'm going to couple him with Dak Prescott for now mm, there we go and so now uh, let me are these automatically saved shit Probably need to click save. Yep, no, we're good. So then let's go back to the scoreboard for the update. New projections without Kittle in the lineup with Amari Cooper starting and Miles Sanders at my flex and the Patriots D playing the Oakland Raiders. It's now projected 123.9 to 109.5. You slide down to a 55% win probability. It was at 59 moments yep. ago. 
yeah, yeah. So what do you think about that? I mean, it's it's a, it, that's a move, you know. So it's a good team. Obviously, Mostard is already out of his starting lineup. He's lining up Melvin Gordon against me, Ronald Jones the second. So he's got the second, he's got the third starting. <laughs> he's got Ben Roethlisberger, Terry McLaurin, DJ uh, DK Metcalf and uh, Dallas Godert and Marquise Brown. And then the Cardinals are playing the Detroit Lions this week. And then his big guy Blankenship. Who do you think he wanted to give up? Do you think he wanted to give up Blankenship to you? Uh, let's see. Let me revisit that real quick. Because he, he ran question. with the same D, I believe, the Cardinals. And he ran with Blankenship in his bottom. And it really didn't look like he wanted to give up any of the people that he tried to beat you with. Uh, obviously, him having to trade a starter for anybody on your team. It's a good call. Uh, yeah, I would say he was probably going to sling me either a defense or a kicker. Um, or what would have been devious is if Raheem Mostert's knee injury were more serious and then he gave me Raheem Mostert. That would have also been kind of savage. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple people's feelings. But, you know, I don't want to say too much and give him too many ideas. Uh, Steven has started 0-2 this year. Um, first time he has done that. Uh, he's got a matchup against Quinn this week, as we've said. And I've got, uh, I've got him losing this week. And in my projections, I have him starting to win a lot after this. I have it like, you know, kind of getting a little crazy. So hopefully I don't start that <laughs> that motion. I want to win this week real bad. Let's see. You have Chase winning over Kurt this week. ESPN gives that a 52% chance of happening. Then you have Daniel beating Robbie. Uh, ESPN sees it the other way. ESPN gives Robbie a 54% chance of winning. Uh, so that covers it for week three. Anything you have to say about your projections and maybe anything that changed after the rash of injuries we saw? You know, I've always ended up seeing it as like some matchups situations, um, I guess. But a lot of it, you know, my projections are based on the power that the, the vampire grows. You know, so if the vampire keeps losing then my projections can kind of fall out of the water potentially because it's more of a pick em fight of who can end up beating them. Because at some point, if he keeps stealing players in the future, uh, then my projections will kind of line up. And then that means that the other two games each week are affected by people that I assume were lost um, in these earlier vampire fights. But up to this point, it's going fine. You know, I've Chase losing to me is interesting. Uh, because we kind of thought Chase had one of the stronger teams in the league. And the fact that, you know, I kind of thought about this Sunday, is it an issue that Chase has all these first string players on his team? Like he has the top running back or or wide receiver, I think, in his lineups for their teams. And it's kind of like if those are the guys that they try and shut down, each defense puts their best cornerback on Chris Godwin or Adam Thielen 
or puts, you know, they double team Zach Ertz automatically, or Allen Robinson gets the best coverage, or Dalvin Cook is is keyed upon and Derrick Henry. Like I was like, maybe they didn't score their points this week because having the number one person in the offense all down your starting lineup risks the point of like if that's who everybody's keying on every time that team plays offense, then maybe there's a risk of like having the people that are gonna get shut down first, like sort of ranked first by those defenses they play. Whereas like other people, you know, who who scored real big were second and third options on the team, like Tyler Higby on your bench, you know, scoring three touchdowns. I don't think he's the number one option yet for the Rams, but I don't know. I don't know. It's just a theory because I was like, why is Chase losing? And he's got a, such a great team. There are all these number one players on their on their rosters, you know. So well, speaking of Chase, I alluded to it a little bit earlier, uh, but Chase provided us with some really interesting data leading into week two. And here in just a moment, we're going to review that data and maybe even get a word from the man himself coming up after this. This summer, in their strongest installment yet, lies a romance between man and woman. Pursued, chased, forced to own up to their feelings, these two must join together forever and ever. Lifetime presents Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back. Okay, and I'm going to bring us back in three, two. Well, week two was rivalry week, and it was made all the more special by a statistical presentation by Mr. Solo Dolo himself, Chase Vickery, who highlighted each participant's records against everybody else in the league uh i've got chase and quinn here in studio with us so quinn you got any questions for chase on what went into it chase how you doing hey i'm doing well it's good to hear you you know um so you sent us a couple photos of a spreadsheet uh when my predictions came out because I've always been looking forward and trying to predict the future, and no one has really done any in-depth analysis going back in the past. So uh, tell me about how you started uh, collecting the info. Well, so first thing that came to my mind was Quinn has seemed to kick my ass multiple years in a row across (laughs) multiple fantasy football leagues. So I actually wanted to crunch those numbers. And that that sparked my interest, but Chase, I, what I you did do for work again. Um, I'm in banking. Okay, do you, do you crunch numbers normally? You'd say yeah. So I, I'm in Excel a lot. So if I get bored, I might just flip over to a different spreadsheet that fantasy football might cross my mind. <laughs> I love it. Okay, continue. So yeah, so I knew Quinn had had my number, and I was kind of curious what those numbers looked like. And in doing so, I saw that I could go back and see the last two seasons of ESPN leagues, all our historical schedules, and I could crunch those numbers for everybody in the league and see who has had whose number within the league, so to speak. I like it. And uh, currently, you can crunch those numbers from anywhere. We're on a Zoom call. I see. Is that Greece behind you? It is. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. very scenic doing some banking living in greece working on your fantasy team uh why don't you here's how it is i saw it uh before it was updated for this week so the number one storyline 
for me is that actually Kurt has never beat Chase. He's 0-6 against Chase, and this week he plays Chase. Um, so that was, uh, I know, a number that hasn't been changed, but is there anything, any new data we have that's interesting? Um, well... We want to go through everybody, so yeah. Right. Well, I'm making the updates as I go here. I just put in last week's, and then I have to update the columns a little here. But obviously, from my standpoint, the thing that sticks out is Quinn continues to have my number. Um, He beat me again this week. So now I am 2-6 and against him um, throughout the years. Does that have a winning percentage on that for me? And, yeah, so the win percentage for Quinn would be 75% against me. And for me, it would be 25%. Cool, cool, cool. Um, Um, And then Daniel and Steven played uh, in week two. So that updates as well. How'd that go? Yeah, so let me make those updates real quick here. Steven came in uh, historically winning... Uh, 38% of the time, or excuse me, uh, 62% of the time against Daniel, he was five and three, including a championship victory in season one of the Vampire League when he took down the then Vampire Daniel in the finals over a two-week span. Um, But in this case, they played last week and Daniel was victorious. So the new numbers look at it as five and four for Steven Daniel's now four and five against Steven. What's that new percentage win? Correct. So, yeah, now Daniel has a winning percentage of 44% against Steven. Is that the best record Daniel has against anybody in the league? Um, no. Well, like everybody, we've uh, had some pretty consistent domination against uh, <laughs> Moose Courtway in the past. Um, as those numbers show, but um, what's his numbers? Tell us, we don't have him here in front of us on the podcast, so yeah. Um, based on the latest updates, Moose lost again last week. Um, what was that interesting stat you just had about Moose? He starts 0 2 every year. Did you say that, Quinn? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Robbie has started all three seasons of the Vampire League 0 and 2. Uh, I've started all three seasons of Vampire League 2-0. and Daniel has started all three seasons of the Vampire League 1-1, one and one, as the same as Chase, correct? And then uh, Steven started 2-0, and then went 1-1, one and one, and then now this year 0-2. And, and Kurt did the opposite, starting 0-2, going 1-1 one and one in year two, and this year is 2-0. and so those Yeah, are- you know, Robbie's 0-2 start to each season – Reminds me of the Chris Christofferson line from Blade 2 when Whistler says, yeah, well, some of us can't see in the dark, you fucking nipplehead. What am I supposed to do? I feel it. So I've updated the numbers here. And let's just say these numbers are a little skewed for Robbie because he did have Quite, quite the comeback last year, getting his runner-up. So kudos there. But his first season where he won very few games, um, definitely skew his numbers. So historically, Robbie is 1-5 against myself. He is 2-4 and four against Quinn. He is 1-6 against Kurt. 2-4 mm. against Daniel. And actually is 3-4 and four against Steven. Interesting. It's crazy. If you really think about it, Robbie has lately had Steven's number, 
and he's coming up playing the vampire pretty soon the next couple of weeks so it'll be interesting to see if he can actually improve his best matchup historically or if uh, steven kind of gets a little bit of a lead on that one so let's talk about um let's talk about kurt then okay so most fascinating that about kurt is kurt can't find a way to beat me and he has another <laughs> opportunity he has another opportunity to give that Makes a go this week for a very interesting matchup this week yeah. right yeah, he is historically zero and six against me um obviously kurt's playing really well right now so after my terrible showing last week i am a little worried are any of those but, playoff wins or, or are those all just come in the regular season um i think i think all of those have come in the regular season so i don't i may be mistaken but i don't believe kurt has made the playoffs in the last two years mm-hmm. these numbers so, are based including playoffs Right, and I have been play- the consolation playoffs. Right, these inc- I included the playoffs and the consolation bracket. So what's interesting about that is if you're in the consolation bracket, you're going to play the same team two weeks in a row in kind of a meaningless series. So that that Why is included. Like eight, not meaningless for these statistics. Right, but um, <laughs> yeah, from that standpoint, um, I have been in the playoffs both years i have finished third both years and kurt has not been in the playoffs so um all these have been regular season matchups i like it i like it um so then kurt's played me eight times and he's he's uh five and three against me so he's kind of got my number he's got robbie's number at six and one and then daniel's two and two against him and they'll play at some point this season uh, and then Steven uh, has beaten uh, Kurt multiple times as the vampire, and I believe as well in the first season when he was just a, a regular competitor. Right. Yep. A couple other interesting things about uh, this that I noticed. Um, first season was a little con- inconsistent in scheduling. You could play the vampire. Not everybody would play the vampire within the first five weeks. and Right. And, I think Robbie played him like twice or something. In the right. So that was a little inconsistent in the first schedule. Um, I think we've gotten to a point where we've got that settled out now. And now the schedules are much more, um, make a lot more sense. So going forward, it'll be a historically better tracking system. But yeah. Um, Speaking of inconsistent, that's kind of similar to how in the comic book version of Blade, the vampire Deacon Frost was an elderly British man, uh, but in the film, of course, he was portrayed by Stephen Dorff. So that takes us to Stephen's area. Um, Right. If he's only played you four times. He's played you the least amount of times. Who has he played the most? He has actually played Daniel the most. Um, nine matchups with Daniel. Um, and, and it's been pretty, pretty even. Steven has a five and four record against Daniel. Mm-hmm. And you think uh, any one of those could have, any one of those victories going the other way could have changed entire seasons and the results of seasons. You know, like, first of all, there's the championship win. <laughs> then there's all the times that he's played as the vampire against Daniel. Um, Daniel, did you play the vampire three times last year? 
let's take a quick look in that, that's my the, diary. Me, like when I look at Steven playing Chase only four times this year, you only play him twice. I did you play the strongest did, schedule. So I did play Steven three times right. last year. Yeah. So every time Steven's playing Daniel, it's for keeps, like big money stuff. And then every time he's played Chase, it's been really few and far between. So it's interesting how the league kind of like is shaken out from the schedules getting needing to get evened up and then also the way it ends up in the playoffs. So um, I think uh, this week, Steven's playing me. He's beaten me four times, and I've only beaten him one other time. Uh, so I'm trying to, to cut into that deficit this week. Which I guess we got you here now. What are your thoughts on week three? We've got um, – me playing the vampire, Longbone Shorty versus Jay Cutler. We've got Guillermo de la Cruz versus yourself, Mr. Solo Dolo. Uh, Jampire Stampire's brother is playing Dr. Rosen Penis. Who you got? With well, historic information. To, yeah, have, haven't done a lot to crunch the numbers, but I've got the historical numbers in front of me and have a pretty good idea of where teams are falling right now. Um, Definitely think the vampire matchups could be interesting this week. Uh, Steven doesn't have a win yet, but Steven historically will get one of these in these early couple weeks um, since he has some experience as the vampire from last season. And um, I think that's going to be a good battle. Um, probably is going to be very close. Um, and unfortunately, with the way injuries are going right now, that might factor into the um who wins that battle this week so i think that's going to be a close one um but yeah i just think somehow some way steven's going to pull that off this week you think steven's winning huh i i think so i think the vampire usually catches a groove at some point and um i think this point is probably the right time too that's interesting because so the qc the qpc pro projections have us bouncing have have the vampire starting his reign next week and then in the historic related scv predictions <laughs> we could say that the percentages lean towards the vampire starting his victory this week based on the percentage of the historic battles and the schedule right so that also makes me think that we could sit down and Daniel and I, I wish you were here, Chase, when Daniel and I uh, were doing the lottery for uh, the draft positions or in the auction yeah. draft and, and everything. Um, and the scheduling and the lottery for who got put in what part of the schedule. Because we found this website that has this amazing um, like wheel that you can spin, but you can assign certain values to it. And we could go in and have like, you know, we could predict some games. Uh, based on on these winning percentages, actually, I think that'd be really interesting. Interesting, yeah. No, I just think this just for this week. Um, so historically, Stephen has a four and one record against Quinn. So where Quinn has my number, Stephen has had Quinn's number throughout the years. Um, so I think he has that going for him. I also think what he has going for him right now is this week had a lot of injuries to keep players. So with that, there's a lot of opportunity for other players to step up, makes the waiver wire a little stronger. And 
at this point, um, Steven can maybe start dialing into the people he needs to play to um, get a win. And hopefully he's not going to have another situation like Will Fuller last week where week one was great and then doesn't show up at all. So I think this is a good opportunity for the Vampire to get his first win and maybe get some blood from Quinn. So Chase, let me ask you, if Steven's going to be somebody who's making moves uh, due to injuries, do you think that Quinn should be willing to do the same? He's got George Kittle at tight end, who's questionable to play. Do you think it's vital? Yeah. Him, do you think it's vital for him to have a tight end in that spot? I, I think it's absolutely vital for him to have a tight end. Um, what I've heard so far about Kittle is he's going to play this week. So um, I think if Quinn wants to roll the dice and be confident that Kittle is going to play, he can. He has that opportunity. He's still projected to win. But if there's a surprise Kittle's not playing and weekend rolls around, Quinn doesn't have a backup tight end, he could be in some uh, trouble if Kittle's going to be sitting out. Another question do you think that it's important for the rest of the league to try and work with Quinn to get him a tight end? You know, in vampire, in vampire folklore, they say the spirit of the 12 will awaken La Magra. Is it important for all of us to work together in order to deny the blood god? Absolutely. That's always the most vital thing. Um, vampires always made the playoffs in our league and always been super strong at the end of the season so always need to make a move to help um the person who's playing the vampire out this week um if they need that help um i know i sent quinn a message earlier um on monday seeing hey have you had any thoughts about your defense or if you're going to actually play the chiefs against the ravens um he does have the patriots as a good backup defense this week so he should be okay on that front as long as they can shut down the Raiders by starting lineup on this podcast Quinn let me ask you in Blade Trinity Hannibal King says Blade was still out there somewhere doing what he did best he was a weapon his life was a war and everybody knows the war never ends uh, how afraid of you are how afraid of the vampire are you in his never-ending war The only time I've beaten Steven was when he was the vampire. So I've done this before. Um, but when it comes to Kittle, Kittle's a warrior. I just, I want to, I'm going to have to do some soul searching, like I said earlier. But at this point, if I get some points out of Kittle, you know, I get some points out of Kittle. I guess in a sense, I'm hoping that's not where the battle has to be decided. Um, you know, Dallas Godert is playing <clears throat> uh, the Seattle Seahawks. So potentially, you know, I'm not sure if he's going to have a, as big a game. Um, and that's the guy currently in Steven's starting lineup. So line by line, <clears throat> I might look at it. But the biggest thing that scares me is, is the fact that I've got to play him three times. Uh, and there's a potential that I could, you know, still keep my 
roster somewhat intact um, without having to make a move, but I may. So we'll see. So let me ask you, during the Marvel Civil War storyline, Blade completes a prophecy he believes would give all extant vampires back their souls, but instead returns to existence every vampire that had ever been killed. Uh, who is the most dangerous player that Steven can take from your roster this week? You know... <clears throat> Right now, I only have uh, I only have one tight end. So I would say that if he stole Kittle, whether Kittle played or not, that would be the biggest death blow he could provide me. Um, so I'll probably go with that. Okay. Chase, during the Curse of the Mutants storyline, Blade appears in San Francisco to assist the X-Men in capturing a vampire specimen. Uh, what was the biggest injury that the 49ers suffered over the weekend? I, that's a tough question. Uh, it's definitely either Mozart or uh, Bosa, but um, yeah, I, I think I'd have to go with Bosa. I, mean, I, like, okay. I like the defense, and I, I think he brings a lot to the table on that D-line. Definitely. Uh, during the Secret Empire storyline, Blade was shown to have been trapped in Manhattan when it was isolated by a Dark Force dome. After Saquon Barkley's season-ending injury, is there any player on either New York roster you're willing to play in a fantasy lineup? Well, obviously, Evan Ingram. I mean, he's been on every team I've had for <laughs> numerous years. So, um, especially without Barkley, I mean, they've got to throw it to somebody. And Sterling Shepard's hurt now. Uh, I guess they throw it to Slayton on occasion. Golden Tate's Golden Tate. So, as long as Ingram's healthy, he can always get the ball. Is he uh, tradable? Um. Yeah, he's everybody's got to be tradable in the vampire league. You got always got to be willing to make those moves. So yeah, he's, he's definitely an option. Uh, if you happen to be losing a certain San Francisco 49er next week, Quinn. Totally. Um, but it sounds like you're not willing to move him in defense of the vampire. Right. And, and the other thing that I've been known to do in this league is carry a backup to spite people. Um, so I, I might want to keep them. You never know. The, the price has to be there. And what kind of prices do you think are going to go for someone trying to get a tight end from you or Kurt or Robbie or? You know? Um, it's probably, pro probably depends on team need. Daniel's deep at running backs. Um, I'm, I'm usually always looking for a running back. So that would probably be my prize, but I know we have other people in the league that are a little deeper um, in wide receivers and running backs. So it just depends on the team. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I guess you got to take everybody's temperature in a sense like this. <clears throat> Quinn, uh, let me ask you in exchange for undertaking a time travel adventure for the supervillain, Dr. Doom blade received an elixir 
that would purportedly cure a vampire of thirst for human blood. If you could travel back in time and draft any player currently on Steven's roster, who would it be? Currently, uh, excuse me, sorry. Currently on <laughs> Steven's roster. Because he's got three bench spots open. Um, I mean, obviously my answer would then go to Dallas. Uh, is it Godard or Goddard? Any way you want. Go there. I would go there, but if I had to go and add a player from free agency and he was a tight end, um, I would pick uh, probably like a Jared Cook, Noah Fant, like any other tight end. I probably, that's where I made my mistake. Um, so... That's that's it. Yeah, I would probably need to pick up a tight end. If I was going to take someone else, though, I mean, honestly, stashing it's it, it's it's weird that Mostert is you know off his roster, you know, in that sense. So it stinks because like in this question, I can't even say that. So I might take someone like um, Melvin Gordon or uh, DK Metcalf as well. He's got some good players coming up. Um, but again, he picked wrong. So I'm just hoping that he picks wrong again on who, who blows up from the waiver wire and not this week. Chased. <clears throat> God damn it. Got this. Chase, at age nine, a young blade was returning home from school one December when he saw an old man being attacked by three vampires. He helped Jamal Lafari, an old man who used a silver cane to kill the vampires and fight off the attackers. This old man was a jazz trumpeter and vampire hunter who then moved into the same flat as young blade and trained him in both music and combat. Uh, you could be trained to be high level in either music or combat, which one would you choose? Mm, difficult question here. Um, let's go with music. I, I mean, I kind of fancy myself as a good singer, so um, definitely think music would be <laughs> the right route, and I could probably go professional in that route and make money doing something I love. So let's go with music. Quinn. Combat. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. This question's for both of you. Um, Blade once led a group of superhuman black ops agents funded secretly by the U.S. government called the Vanguard, of which even the president was unaware. If one of you were to secretly make a trade with somebody else in the league, who would it be and why? So it would be a secret trade, Daniel? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. What, what is the secret trade? <laughs> who, who, are, who are you most likely to make a secret trade with? Well, I think Quinn and I have historically yeah. both tried to push the boundaries with each other on trades being made. 
Yeah. Usually with Quinn offering a um, pretty interesting trade um, yep. proposal and then mm-hmm. it eventually coming into something. So I would definitely say Quinn. I think I'm going to end up making a trade with Robbie. Okay. All right. Very interesting. Um, in, in China, Blade joined Ogun Strong's Vampire Hunters, which included Azu, Orgy, and Musenda. Together, they staked Dracula. However, Dracula survived and killed all the hunters except Blade and Musenda, who eventually retired from vampire hunting. Um, with that, do you guys have anything else you want to cover? Yeah, Chase. Uh, we've been doing these monologues. Uh, is there a movie you like? What do you feel? We're going to get you on one. We're excited. Well, I like all the blades. Those seem to be my favorite. <laughs> but, uh, you, you know, I've just never been enough of a movie guy quite like you guys. Um, pretty much I mean I'll watch movies here and there but I don't go to theaters uh, what's the movie you've seen the most uh, my, my favorite movie from my childhood was Angels in the Outfield okay yeah but all, all the sports movies I w- I've seen those but mm-hmm. I just wouldn't, wouldn't say um, from a music or from a movie trivia standpoint I'd be up on stuff What's the most so, mo- recent movie you saw? What's the last movie you saw? See, I don't know. Can't really think about it. It's, I mean, there's been some random movies I've watched on Netflix, but um, just because I'm not go, nobody can go to theaters anymore, and you're not seeing any. I'm not really paying attention to new releases that are out because nobody's going to theaters these days. So, what movie did you watch on Netflix? I name one. I couldn't tell you. I've been watching more shows on Netflix lately. What did you watch? What are you watching? Um, drawing a blank. I did draw. I did watch Ozark um, within the last three months, so I watched all through that. Nice. What did you think about Bryce and DeChambeau at the U.S. Open? Um, I think he has a very interesting swing. If I ever get back into golf, maybe I try, need to pick it up because whatever my swing is isn't working. And maybe that's what I need to um, instill some life into my golf game. Or maybe I just need to eat whatever it is, 3,000, 4,000 calories a day like him. Mm -hmm. Get up there, put on 270, 300 pounds, and then uh, I just knock the shit out of the ball. Because I've never really been known for my – distance on the golf course so maybe that that's the answer to improve my game right well hopefully this weekend you'll add some distance to your score in fantasy football and come away with a win yeah i I hope so too we definitely need a better showing this week and luckily for me my favorite opponent um to kick their ass is coming up on the schedule so i feel good about it i guess i guess you're my last question to you chase is Maybe just one last thought about this week. You know, I put it out there that uh, most of your starting lineup accumulated for one total touchdown other than Kyler Murray, uh, who had a great day. Um, and it was all your big, uh, big, big starters. How'd you feel about it? 
Well, de definitely a disappointing week. Um, but, I mean, these guys are going to get touchdowns. Um, they get touchdowns historically, and they're top-tier players. So I think it's just more opportunity for them this week, and they're more likely to score this week. Okay. Okay. Well, Daniel, how do you feel? You like like this like this week coming in? All right, all you daywalkers out there, we appreciate you listening, and we hope that you follow us on Spotify. It's Chase Vickery and Quinn Carson. I'm Daniel Week, and this is another episode of the Vampire Journals podcast. Yeah, Chase. Y'all can keep talking. I, I just got to take a piss. So. All right. If y'all want to keep, y'all can keep generating content. That's just the outro. Quinn will cut it up. Yeah.